Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. We've got Scooby Snacks himself, Jason Theobald in the house. What's up, man? How are you? Well, I'm good. What's going on? Oh, not a lot. It's uh, As we sit down and record this, it's January 30th, and this is one of the episodes, man, that you and I, we've talked about a lot of this before in the past for years, really, and it's January 30th, so this is the perfect time to kind of drop this episode. We're going to talk about natural versus enhanced diets, natural versus enhanced preps, and yep. You know, January just seems to be synonymous with dieting, not just in the in the fitness world, um, but in bodybuilding too. Like a lot of people are finishing up their off season, they're getting ready to start prep for spring and maybe summer shows if they've got longer preps. Um, how busy are you over there with people that started their prep in January? Is it pretty busy time for you? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a real busy time. I mean, you know, I have <clears throat> a lot of my people stay with me year round these days, which is cool. And so, you know, I knew what was coming, like, you know, but I still have some people that aren't starting till like March because I have a lot of people doing like looking at pro cards, going to like masters nationals or North Americans, things like that. So some of those haven't kicked off, but yeah, like, you know, January, February is always a big starting point. And I plan for that, you know, um, get them kind of primed for that prep. So I knew, I knew, I know he's kind of know what's coming on my schedule and when it's going to be busy and definitely January, February are big, big excuse me, big jump off start starting points. Yeah. You know, it's it, most of my clients are in the natural world. So, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of people finish up the holidays. I'm, I'm trying to get them through Christmas and new years and trying to keep fat gain to a minimum. That way we can start prep fresh sometime in January. And a lot of my clients are doing, you know, 20 week preps. And we'll talk about why I kind of choose to do things that way. So January is pretty, pretty busy. I've got you know, probably a dozen people in prep already. And that'll, that'll pick up to probably 30 or 40, you know, half my clients are gen pop or lifestyle, but the other half are bodybuilders. So, I mean, I'll, I'll have, I'll have quite a few people starting prep and then people with fall shows, you know, they'll start in the summer. So it's definitely a, uh, it's definitely a busy time. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, um, couple real quick housekeeping things. Um, I do want to find out what's new with you this week. I think we've, we've got something interesting to talk about that we discussed before we started this show. And I also want to give a shout out to our listeners because dude, like we were kind of blown away when we talked on the phone earlier, but we're up to like 110 reviews. And I swear to God, like five days ago, it was at 88. Um, they're all five stars. Like, I know we're going to get that one star in there. We're going to get that dickhead in there. That's like, Hey, your audio sucks. And they don't realize like, dude, we're using zoom. Like there's like, (laughs) we're not, we're diet coaches. Like we're not, we're not, you know, audio professionals. So like, we'll get those people in there and that's fine. But a shout out to our listeners because you guys have been crushing it. I know you guys are recommending us. It's all word of mouth. Um, without you, like this thing isn't taking off and this is only episode eight and we're already at 110 reviews. Like, man, this is, this is good. So thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Definitely. And you know what, man, it may be, maybe the magic approach I took last episode. I said, Hey, listen, if you're somewhere right now, you can pause this, pause it, (laughs) click on the stars, leave us a review, unpause it and get back to listening. It, It only takes a second. Just use voice to text and say, Hey, you know, we've, I love this podcast or whatever you want to leave like that stuff really helps us. Um, 
So if you did just pause that and you're getting back, welcome back to the show. That's what I said last time. And I said, listen, if you just blew past that and you didn't, a fucking kitten died somewhere. So you're responsible (laughs) for that. It's not on us. So all jokes aside, uh, Jason, why don't you tell everybody what you've been doing different this week? Because I think it's the perfect kind of way to kick this episode off because it is dieting season. What more important thing to talk about than what you're seeing right now? Right. So I don't know. Um, how many of our listeners follow me on Instagram or not, but um, I've posted, you know, at times how my experience is going with whoop app. And for those of you that don't know what whoop app is, it basically is this little band that you wear uh, all day and night through. And it, it, it's like a little um, Apple watch or something. It's no big deal, but it's on your, on your wrist and um, it tracks your HRV, which is your heart rate variability. And, you know, heart rate variability it's a whole show on its own, but to give you just a quick synopsis, basically it's the timed uh, beats, like, or the time between the beats of your heart. And none of them are like, everyone thinks probably they're like the same um, interval length, but they're not, they, they, they vary, you know, one beat might be 1.2, then the next might be 1.4 seconds, etc. cetera. And the, and the app tracks it. And <clears throat> The, the, this shows basically how stressed you are and how easily you move from parasympathetic to sympathetic, back to parasympathetic. And the better you move and the better way your body can do that, the less stress you, you basically hold and, and the healthier you are. So I, I have this app and it also tracks sleep, which is really cool. And, and inside of tracking sleep, it's got a sleep coach, which is really cool. So like if you click that you want to perform the next day and not just get by, It'll say, all right, based on all your numbers, you need to get to bed at 9.45 and wake up at 7 a.m. You'll get what you need. And so it tells you like what you need to do. But my thing is, I'm kind of a night owl. And it's not because I feel like I have messed up cortisol or anything. I just, once everyone goes to bed, I like me time to kind of sit. Sometimes I read. Sometimes I watch just mindless shit on Netflix. And it just kind of helps me cap off my day. And kind of, that's how I recharge my battery. So anyways, um, I stay up late a little bit, and um, so I don't always get the amount of sleep that they're saying. So I'm looking at this app, and what it does, it also tracks your deep sleep and your um, light sleep and your REM sleep. And for those of you who don't know much about any of those phases of sleep, the deep sleep is where your your body recovers, okay? So that's like the deepest level of sleep, and that's where a lot of the body recovery is going on. REM is where your brain is most active and most of dreaming's going on. So if you want to think of it this way, REM is like brain repair and um, deep is like body repair. Okay. And if you get online and just do some reading about it, most average adults are doing well if they get about an hour of deep sleep per eight hours of being in bed. Well, I'd never really usually get eight hours. So I was looking at ways that I could at least improve the amount of deep sleep I get and the amount of REM sleep I get. And um, I've been doing just different experiments and uh, I got, I've been getting uh, damn near close to two hours of deep. And then one day I, I got like two hours and eight minutes. So let's just round two hours and 10. And that night I was doing two cordies, two full uh, relax droppers from new ethics and five megs of melatonin. And um, I also think it had like an hour of 50 minutes of uh, REM. So like I was just crushing it. And I only, I only slept it set in bed like six hours, six and a half hours. So my ratios were amazing. 
Um, and so, you know, this is a way to, you know, improve your performance without maybe getting as much time in bed as you need. And so I've just kind of been playing around with these things and, and recovery and, you know, um, it's really cool to be able to kind of match your recovery up with, you know, how much intensity you can apply that day to not kind of take your body beyond, um, its recovery needs. So you can kind of, you don't really need deloads. You can kind of always kind of walk right up to that, that strain area, but never go above it. So it's been really interesting. And that was what I said about, and you had mentioned that maybe we should talk about it, um, tonight. So yeah, man, it's in it's, a nutshell. It's, yeah. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. Like, like you said, we'll have a whole episode on HRV, um, the importance of sleep and how it's all kind of connected. Those might be a couple different episodes. Um, but it's really, really fascinating because I think what a lot of people don't realize is <clears throat> they focus on getting more sleep. Um, that seems to be the, the default. But if there's a way such as what you're saying now is to just maximize your deep sleep, most people don't want to get nine hours of sleep a night. Like I don't, I don't want to spend more time sleeping. It's just I, hard, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, our lives. And like I said, I could literally go to bed at 1030. I could, but that's when the family goes to bed and I like my alone time a little bit. Like I do. Right. So you, yeah. Yeah. So two, two, two full droppers of relaxed liposomal, hold it under yep. your tongue. I always tell my clients for a couple minutes, hold it under yep. there, take a drink of right. water, swallow, chase that with, with two cordies. And then you said five migs of um, melatonin. And that was yeah. like the magic potion for me. And you know, 10 migs might be needed for people. And there is a little melatonin in the liposomal. Um, and so, you know, they might get a great reward just from cordies and the light and the relax. I was just playing around with different formulas and that's when I finally got into the two plus hours and I wasn't even getting eight hours in bed. So I was like, damn, that's pretty sweet. So then, you know, I posted it, what I'd been doing. Well, I've, I've already adopted that protocol minus the melatonin for yeah. my clients during prep when they're starting to stall out. So that's probably going to be kind of a go-to there. I might have them add just a little bit. And they've been doing one quarties. Yeah. I might have them hit too. So that, that's a, that's something good. I just picked up something new. So Excellent. Um, let's go ahead and jump on to um, yeah. our episode. So this is an important episode because we'll both kind of represent, you know, I'll, I'll represent the natural bodybuilding world and natural bodybuilding coaches. You can do the assisted side. We can both talk about both, obviously, but I think that's kind of the cool thing with the show is we'll, we'll be able to give two perspectives and talk about it in that sense. Um, man, we see a lot of different approaches to prep. We see a lot of 12 week cookie cutter preps where that's what we all used to think. Hey, 12 week prep, you're going to start this, this, and this. Um, here's your gear. Here's your cycle. Like here's, you know, there's a lot of people that learn that way. And if you had 40 fucking pounds to lose, it didn't matter. You got 12 weeks. It's just going to hurt. Or you see a lot of these long drawn out preps, like 20, 25 weeks or fucking yeah. even more than that, where like, um, and you see that a lot in the natural body, well, natural bodybuilding world. That's just kind of become popular. Most people don't know how to set their prep up. So to get to where we're about to go, I like to, I like to go back. I like to talk about what we've learned from what kind of what we've done. And that kind of sets the listeners up to understand, like, listen, we've been here, here and here. And this has brought us to where we are now with our clients and why our clients have such, such high rates of success. It, it's all tied back to what we learned from. So Jason, back in the day, when you would prep, did you, did you always do like a standard, Hey, I'm 12 weeks out. I'm going to go ahead and cut into the show. Have you ever tried longer yeah. preps? Kind of, kind of what did you start from? And then what'd you kind of adopt as a coach when you first started? Yeah. So, I mean, when I first got into competing uh, around my area, Beverly international, um, if anyone knows that supplement company was kind of like the big deal in the area. 
And um, they actually had diet coaches uh, that they paid um, and you could go see them. And uh, they're in Cold Spring, Kentucky, which is really close to me. And um, that part was free. But of course, you would walk away buying, you know, a couple, three, four hundred dollars of Beverly supplements. Um, but, you know, their thing and, and everything around here was pretty much you die at 12 weeks, you know, and I was fresh and new and I didn't even think about, well, really, it kind of depends on how much body fat I have and, and this and that, you know, but you just didn't really know all that back then. Like you just thought, well, everyone does 12 weeks and that's when they want to see me. So that's, that's what I'm going to do, you know, and you just busted your ass to get as good as you could in 12 weeks. And that was about it. Um, as I got into it more and wanted to do better and realized that, uh, I was that competitor whose abs came in easy, low back was always fine, but you know, my legs are always kind of, you know, lagging behind in terms of a shredded condition same for glutes and hammies i adopted a 16 weeks out you know as i got online at rx muscle and talked to different people um and then eventually uh when that still wasn't really working for my glutes and hands i did do a couple 20 week preps and i learned that that was miserable for me and my family and my life and i hated every minute of it and so i just started staying leaner over time and um finally got to the point where you know what eight weeks was pretty sweet for me and so I would rather stay lean uh and not become a fat ass in the off season so I don't have to truly diet as long so it's kind of evolved for me over time did you did you start to when you first started did you just kind of adapt what worked for you with your clients early on uh, did you automatically start taking some of your natty folks you know just 20 25 week preps or or did you kind of stick to that 12 to 16 week prep when i by the time i started coaching i was generally doing 16 week preps but by then you know i i would have a few people that just couldn't get it done and so then you know my mind started expanding and opening up to the fact that there are people who just need more time so you know i know early on i started having some females having to do 20 weeks uh my wife i had recommended do 20 weeks and you know this was going back to like 2009 i think one of her preps so you know i i i got there pretty quickly that hey this is a very individual thing and you know, if someone's natural, you know, they're going to need more time. It's just how it is. Right. So um, I'll kind of kick off mine and talk about when I first started, I really started dieting for shows back in 2000. I started my, my first real dieting like a bodybuilder in 2007, but it wasn't for a show. 2008, I tried to prep for my first show and I didn't make it. Um, Mark Rosemany was helping me. I remember yeah. back from the muscular development days and I was 205 pounds to start natural and I had never been on stage so when you looked at me and I lost 20 pounds I still had a lot of fat to go I'm, I'm one of those people like I don't change a lot until I get down to the last 15 pounds then you really start seeing some big change so my, my physique was deceptive and we dieted like 25 weeks and we got around 20 we got around 25 30 pounds off um, and I learned a lot about that and I thought okay I'm working with this guy that's really good at helping people dial in, but he was also a, a carb-based guy, and that's not a knock yes. on him. He just didn't know me. I didn't know me, and you know, I'm dieting either, yeah. on high carbs, lower fat, just right. two hours of, of cardio a day. It just wasn't working well, so it was kind of a, an, an eye-opener to me, so I, I went off-season, scrapped 2008, 
and 2009, you and I worked together for the first yeah. time. And I remember I was like, dude, I think I'm going to need a long time to prep. Like I want to start, I think I started like right after Thanksgiving. I'm like, listen, man, I'm ready. Like, you know how it is when you're ready and you're a new coach. You're like, fuck it. Let's go. And, right. uh, Dude, I dieted from like Thanksgiving until May is how long it took me. I went from 205 down to 155. Yes. So that that was an eye-opener for me. And dude, I don't know how much my prep was kind of an eye-opener for you, but you know, I was natural and it took me so long to get down there. And I was being, dude, I did not cheat on the diet. Like in 2009, I did not mess around. 2010, I had some issues, but I didn't. And it just took me that long to get down there. So it kind of wrapped my head around you know, at least what I was learning for myself. And then I started to adapt that approach mm -hmm. for some of my clients. Now I did start working with people in 2010 and I tried the 12 week preps for people, the 16 week preps, and I didn't really understand how to kind of set up prep length. And that's kind of what we're going to get into next, uh, what we recommend now. So I'll, I'll throw it back over to you. When you have someone get a hold of you, and you check out all their stats, all their information, you make sure they're in a good place, maybe you're looking at blood work, and you're ready to try and figure out prep length. What's, what's a couple things that you're looking at to say, hey, we need a 16-week prep, we need 12, we need 20. Like, what's, what's right. the main things that you're looking at with that person? Right. So, I usually ask, um, if, okay, so if I, if I, if I'm just looking right away and I'm just analyzing someone say like, they're just deciding still if they're going to, you know, work with me. Um, you know, I'll ask for pictures and of course I'm going to look at a lot of the trouble areas. I'm going to look at glutes. I'm going to look at hamstrings. I'm going to look at low back, um, lower stomach as well. And, you know, generally speaking, I'm going to come to a, a point in my head pretty quickly and say, this person has 30, this person has 25, this person has 20. And then I'm going to start doing the math. Like, okay, well, if this person's natural, I really don't want more than one, 1 1.2 per week. So then I start doing the math. If this person's not natural and I'm going to, I can probably expand that to, you know, 1.5, two per week and not lose muscle. And so I do the math. So, you know, those are the things I look at, but then if I'm still not sure, I'll say, Hey, let me see your last stage picks. It's only been eight months. You haven't gained that much lean tissue. Let me see your old stage picks. Let me see the kind of condition you got in and what did you weigh? You know, and if they were freaking rip-roaring peeled, then maybe I'll add three pounds to it and say, all right, you know, it gives me a better idea. If they weren't, then I might say, all right, you still had 10 pounds to go. Let me run the numbers. So you can look at old stage picks too to get an idea if right away your eye isn't, isn't giving it to you. But I've been doing this so long that I can generally look at a physique and look at those trouble areas and be like, yeah, you're around 30 pounds. And then it just depends, like, are we enhanced? Are we natural? How long is this going to truly take? And then I like to give them an idea so that they know what they're jumping into, you know? So whenever somebody comes to you, we'll, so we'll, we'll jump over the enhanced side, right? And then I'll tackle, I'll tackle my approach on the natural. If, if you've got a guy that needs to lose 25 are you good with a 12 week prep and you're going to push for two pounds no. a week or do you recommend one to one and a half and giving yourself a little bit of time? At that point, I'm going to say, you know, 16, I would rather have, um, and, and, and scale it back to, you know, 1.5 somewhere around there and be ready early. I, I don't ever want to, you know, for all of our listeners, you never want to basically do your time, um, calculations and have, and you, and you can't lose a week. So you always want to build in a few weeks where maybe you stall and don't have any progress at all. Uh, 
you know, just saying, all right, we got to do two every week and hoping to hell you hit it. That's too much stress on them and yourself. I don't ever put myself under that type of bullshit. I mean, not, not ever. I mean, I take people at eight weeks out and sometimes they need, you know, to really haul ass. But like, I, I just posted a guy that I took at eight weeks out and, uh, this today, but I had worked with him before. So I knew that like I could push him and I knew what his body was capable of, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I'm generally going to build in some time for stall out, even with enhance because you know, enhance helps you hold more muscle and things like that, but it, it, it's still hard as fuck to get in shape and prep. I mean, you know, it, 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 it does a lot and we'll get into more of those, but yeah, I, I like to build in weeks. I don't like to be right up on the deadline. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. So you know, whenever I have natural clients come to me, I, I do all the same things you do. I look at their last pictures. If, if they've competed before, if not, I just have to go with my mind's eye yep. and I have to get a good educated guess and guys, you know, guys and gals listening that are coaches, that just takes time. Um, it really does. Like you can get body fat tested and you can aim for five to 10 pounds over that. But if you're natural, your, your muscle mass is going to drop too towards the end, which we'll talk a little bit about that. So you have to factor that in. A lot of the times with natural clients, if you don't know what their stage weight's going to be and you're a coach or that's you as the athlete, sometimes you just have to listen, just get lean and try and lose a pound per week. That's what I like to recommend. There's a lot of research out there on this, by the way, um, in natural individuals. Losing a pound a week, you're going to lose less muscle during the duration of the diet versus losing two pounds a week, for example. And that was something I really learned the hard way with my clients early on. I used to push for two pounds a week with natural folks. And man, that last 10 to 15 pounds when they got lean, that's when muscle loss really happens. So I was really just eating a lot of muscle off their frame. So I like to, I like to tell people, listen, we're going to diet one pound a week off of you. I am going to bake in two to three weeks for things like stalls or when people mess up on the plan, because let's face it, they may not report it to you, but it's pretty common I've noticed for people to fall off the plan or for people to eat stuff that they like, if you have somebody eating a real strict, um, these specific foods, it, it's pretty common for people to go off and they'll go off and eat things that you don't want them to eat or they'll eat out and not tell you. So I try and bake in a few extra weeks for that. So if somebody has 25 pounds to lose, I always tell them, I'm like, listen, we're going to start dieting about 25, 30 weeks out, nice and slow. We're going to get you into, into a groove. And then we're going to be open to not picking a very specific show because I've never dieted you before. You've never been on stage. We just need to get you lean and shredded. And in natural bodybuilding, dude, there's so many fucking shows. Like it's a good and a bad thing. There's so many shows. I just tell them like, listen, let's get lean about four to six weeks out. I'm going to know you're going to kick it up another notch because you're going to be even more motivated. And then let's find shows six weeks out. So that to me is kind of a safe approach that I take unless I know someone's prior stage weight and they've done this before and they're not a newbie, then I can pick shows. Then I know, listen, if they've got 20 pounds to lose, I'm going to start them 25 weeks out. And my goal with natural folks is to have them ready early if I can. I like to have people ready in a perfect scenario. It doesn't happen all the time. I like to have them ready three to four weeks early if possible, or I like to have them really close with only a couple pounds to lose. And I like to pull the steady state out and I like to slowly feed them carbs. I call it 10 carbon them to death. I'll add 10 carbs a week and I let their metabolism um, help speed up and let some fat loss happen. Some the stubborn fat loss and dropping cortisol helps spare a little bit of testosterone. It tightens you up. There's a lot of good things that can happen that last week. And I like to try and get people ready early so they can look better headed into their shows. 
So for me, I elect a longer prep. Now I'm also big on um, flexible dieting if someone wants to do that. And while I think if someone just ate 100% clean for their prep, they would get lean easier because it's a hell of a lot easier to track those food. They're easier on digestion. Um, it's more accurate. If someone would do that, that's fine. But if you have to prep 25 fucking weeks, I'm going to let them be pretty flexible. And that to me is, is another reason why I allow them to eat some of the foods because we have some time. We're only aiming for a pound fat loss a week. So, um, Man, I talked for a long time, but that kind of gives people my general recommendations. Obviously, it's going to be different depending on each client that comes on board. For sure. Uh, with me. It's, yeah. it's so individual uh, in this. I mean, everyone has a different fat loss, you know, pace that they can keep up and that they can handle. And, you know, I still have a lot of naturals. And honestly, when they come to me and I know that they're going to want to do a show prep in the next, you know, six, seven, eight months, most of them come to me too fat. I don't like their body fat usually. Um, so I diet a lot of people first before I ever go into a lean game phase. And then I set them up so that they're not gaining any more fat so that that can shorten their diet time as a natural. Cause I have a really hard time putting someone and telling them to diet 25 weeks. I just do because I, I'm not sure I mentally can do it anymore. So I like to just go ahead and get them leaner first. It sets up the, the gain phase much better anyways. And then I can shorten their prep time. That's, that's me. Um, not everyone has to do that. That's just generally my, my steps. Yeah. So do you like to have clients? And I guess this really depends on the client, but do you like the idea of just dieting and picking a show as you get closer? Or do you like the idea of, Hey, here's a show. Let's aim for that one. What's, what's your approach there? Are you open-minded to either way? Well, you know, if I have my, my pick, I think that a lot of people um, do better just starting to diet, know that there's going to be a show coming up. And then as we start to look better, we can, we can pick it. I, I feel like without that stress, uh, people's bodies respond better. That said, some people come to you and they're like, look, um, you know, I, I feel like I had a good off season. I want to do master's nationals. I've got 20 weeks before it. Are you willing to prep me? You know, and it's if you want the client and, and, and you think that they've given enough sufficient time, then I'm not going to tell them they have to change shows and take my approach of, you know, not really picking something and just kind of waiting. So it, sometimes it really depends on the client. But if someone has no time frame in terms of getting on stage, then, yeah, a lot of times I'll be like, look, let's go ahead and do a, a diet here. We'll have a diet break. We'll, we'll get the calories up. Then we can go ahead and, and start looking at shows once we get get back into the dieting phase and, and kind of pick some things. And a lot of people are like, Hey, that's cool. But like I said, if they already are like dead set on a show and I, I do the math in my head and I think they can make it, I'll let them, you know, I'm going to keep that date. I'm going to work with what they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, like you said, it's such a lower um, stress prep, which becomes very, very important. I have a lot of people that they want to pick a show. And then whenever I do go ahead and go with that, they feel behind the whole fucking time. And then I start feeling that way as a coach. And I think yes. it's better for coach and client. Um, I, I do want to talk about muscle loss and what when that really happens during a yeah. prep, natural versus enhanced. Yeah. You know, with natural athletes, here's the thing, guys. And this is natural or enhanced, by the way. The more body fat you have on you, like at the end of off season, like, like my fat ass sitting here right now. Like I, I've got a good 15% on me. 
when I diet the next 10 pounds off myself, I'm not going to lose any muscle. Um, because mm -hmm. when you've got fat on you like that, it spares muscle. Like you don't, it's when people, natural people, especially start to get really, really lean. You have lower body fat levels and your testosterone drops a lot more when you yep. get really, really lean. That's when muscle loss really happens. So a lot of my natural folks are like, man, you dropped my calories 500 and you started me on cardio like five days a week right out of the gate. I'm worried about losing, losing muscle. And I'm like, no, you're a little bit fat to start. So like, we're going to, I'm going to push hard because, <laughs> right. because I've got, I've got a cushion. You've got fat. Like we're not going to drop any muscle like that. So, um, Jason, what, whenever people talk to you about muscle loss with your enhanced folks, when do you see muscle loss happen the most during an enhanced prep? Okay, so here's the deal with enhanced. It's, it's, it's like prepping with a safety blanket. You can skip refeeds. You can push hit cardio harder. Um, Cortisol is not going to build up as much because testosterone is higher and testosterone helps blunt it. Um, but if I see muscle loss, most of the time it's more with men and it's going to be the last four weeks trying to get glutes in or trying to get hams when they've got really stubborn fucking body parts, or maybe they've just never been tore down yet. You know how it is. Like once someone finally gets just all the fat off their body, if they bodybuild right, they never really should get back to being as big of a fat ass as they were in their previous life. And therefore each time it gets a little easier to strip that off. Well, that's when they're going to save muscle. But that first time trying to get all that body fat off, even on supplements, um, that last four weeks is when it's going to happen, which is kind of common for a natural too if they're doing it right and they didn't rush it. But a natural obviously can lose it from day one if, if the diet's not set up right. You don't really see that with an enhanced. I mean, it, the safety blanket's there, but I mean, you know, if you really got to push for a part, I'd say the last four weeks is when it can happen. And I see it more in men than women. Women, um, in general, I've always kind of felt this way that uh, you can push women harder generally and they won't lose muscle as easily as men. I think it's because it, it's harder to come by for women and the one and the muscle they do have is more solidified. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever proven that in, in science or it's just kind of one of those things that I see, but, um, but then you add, you know, Anavar to an enhanced woman. I just don't really see a ton of muscle loss in them, but I have seen it happen in men when we're trying to push for, for certain body parts. Um, so that's kind of been my experience with it. Man, I, I love you for that comment earlier. I know the listeners do too. When you talk about getting back to being a fat ass, like you just call it like you see it. I'm sitting over here fucking <laughs> chuckling, man. I wish I wish we had the video on while we're recording. She'd see me just laughing my ass off. But right. it, dude, I mean, it, listen, it is what it is. I mean, I just call myself a fat ass. So it's all, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so the other thing with muscle loss, um, you know, with women, you know, I see it more obviously in guys because they have to get down. I mean, you get a natural guy down to four or 5% body fat. Like that's when it's going to happen. Natural female bodybuilders, which are very rare these days. I see it happen with them. My theory with why women don't lose as much towards the end, when you look at their uh -huh. DEXAs and stuff like that is yep. because, you know, I might get a figure competitor down to, you know, some of these natural organizations down to 10% or 12%. And they look good enough to win. But if I had to keep pushing them down to like natural bodybuilding, Man. pro level yeah. uh, body fat, then they're going to lose it. So that's kind of my theory on, you know, bikini competitors, I, I don't think are going to lose much um, unless they're just getting too, too fucking lean. And, you know, in the natural world, that's not really the case. So it, I don't know. It, 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 it's definitely interesting. Um, 
I want to come back to muscle loss, but also muscle gain. But first, let's talk about cardio versus food drops um, Mm -hmm. and natural versus enhanced athletes. And I'll throw this over to you. Are you a fan of, if you can pick, if you're the one setting up the off season, you're the one controlling the prep in the beginning um, and all the way through. Are you a fan of, of using more cardio and keeping food higher? Are you a fan of dropping food? And like, what, which, which yeah. would you pick if you had to? Yeah. What's better? Yeah. And, and an enhanced individual. Yep, yep. So, I mean, I can speak from experience for right now. Like, I have had three men start their diets more, but I've had three men, like, recently start their diets. And none of them did I put – I didn't have them on off-season cardio, and I didn't put them on off-season cardio to start. Their calories were so damn high that I knew if I made a diet adjustment, there was no way in hell that they were going to be in a spot where they'd have to risk muscle loss. But I also knew that their body would respond right away. So why, why add cardio? Um, as the diet progresses, I'm actually one of those coaches that um, if I can just manipulate cardio a little bit and it doesn't look like it's to the point where it's a burden on the body and their recovery, I'm going to leave food a little higher and usually – make more changes with cardio. If someone is stalled out for, let's say, 10 days, I'm going to move food. And I might have to move cardio too. But, you know, if someone's getting there and maybe I just want to make sure they stay moving, um, it's been maybe 10 days since I've done anything, I'm generally going to go ahead and adjust cardio and let that food stay higher. That's me. There's some coaches I know that, like, try not to use cardio at all to, like, you know, maybe someone's eight weeks out and they just keep pulling food. I really like to preserve the training uh, intensity and so I feel like uh, you need food for that you know so um that's kind of how I do it yeah so um that's the interesting thing man it's just how we all do things and like what we've seen work you know with me I don't think I've had but maybe four or five clients over an hour of cardio a day to get stage lean in years like like probably seven or eight years and because I've kind of adopted this this approach to get their calories higher and um, have more of a, you know, like a bank to, to pull from, right? Like an amount to pull from and be able to drop their calories more than add cardio. So if I do drop a guy, say, say he's not dropping, he's stalled. I, I drop him 15 carbs, for example, or maybe it's 20. It just depends on how big the guy is, right? Or if he's a smaller guy, but just given that as an example, I might drop 20 carbs. I might add five minutes of steady state cardio or one or two hit intervals. I might take them from five, intervals to seven. Um, and, and I don't do that a lot. A lot of the times I'll just drop the calories and every, every few stalls I'll add some cardio. And my whole thought process with that was I want to give a natural athlete less to recover from, especially with the steady state cardio, because back whenever I did it and and you and I prepped together, Jason, like we were, we were two hours of fucking cardio a day. That's what, that's what we knew. That's what we learned. And man, I just remember feeling like how much that zapped me. But at the time I'm like, fuck it, man, this is what we got to do. And it worked by the way. But over time, I, I kind of changed my thinking with that. And I noticed a lot of the people that I started to prep in 2011, 2012, guys like Matt Holcomb, their stage weight would be higher from one season to the next when I didn't have them doing a lot of cardio, specifically steady state. So I just kind of adopted that. And I just have to have a talk with clients. Now I'm like, listen, you get more time at home, you get more time to food prep, you get more time to chill out and relax by not having to be in the, in the gym for an hour or two hours a day. Um, but we're going to drop your food. And a lot of the food drops to me, I just explained to my client that, that it's mental. I'm like, 
if you have this bowl of rice and you take out 15 carbs from it, and I didn't tell you, you would have no idea that there's 15 carbs gone. You see the number, you know it in your head. You physically, you're not going to notice a difference. So a lot of the times it's mental, but I like to use more food drops if I can. Now, I do have people um, that are super, super stubborn that I had to get up to an hour and 15 minutes this last year, um, usually like women figure pros or, or women bodybuilders. That I just had to get them there because they had a dieting history. I've noted I've noticed people with with a longer dieting history, natural. I have to I have to push them harder every single time I diet if they haven't had sufficient time off. So that's just kind of my take on. I don't think it's right or wrong. It's just kind of what I've seen work well in my clients. Yeah, yeah. I just know um, from. I guess, you know, we can only pull from ourselves first and foremost, and then from our clients. I just know that the training is so important that the intensity stays high, that there is a response, that there is a pump. So I always just err on the side of, you know what, you can get up and fucking walk a little bit more, a few fucking steps. I'm going to keep that food as high as I can. And so it's always turned out better for me personally from a stage look when I do that. So that's kind of where I come from. It doesn't matter whether someone's really natural or not for me. Um, I'm going to try to preserve the training. So, yeah. And that's, and I like that. I, I think you said on, on the last episode, training should always be preserved. Like that's your gold standard. That's your number one. This is bodybuilding. Yeah. That's your number one. So the other cool thing about this episode is you know, we, we might have different opinions and views on stuff. We don't oh, care. We, we want to throw this out to the listeners because guys, we want you to take this information and apply it to yourself. Or if you're a coach, apply it to your clients, tweak it, like, see, that's, that's how Jason and I've done all of our shit. Like we've tried all kinds of different ways and this is kind of where we settled on. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're doing an episode five years from now, we go and we're a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like we've changed yeah. it up. So uh, moving on to the next topic, man. So this is one I think a lot of people don't realize. Let's talk about low fat approaches yeah. and preps. I don't really want to talk about keto um, yep. because we're going to save that for an episode. Yep. But I, I do want to talk about natural versus enhanced preps and yep. when to use a low fat approach because yeah. I see a lot of people in the natural bodybuilding world it is more you know prevalent. You know, probably 2012 and earlier. I see a lot of coaches like getting fat, super low, 30 grams on natural athletes. And, and I didn't think much of it back then because I didn't really know back in 2011, 2012. But these days, I pay real close attention to stuff like that. Jason, when, when do you feel good taking someone low fat? And I'm not talking about low fat for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about low fat in general, like in natural versus enhanced clients. Because Fat is very, very important for a natural athlete or someone's enhanced. I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and let you kind of kick that off and talk about it. Yeah. So as far as the enhanced side goes, like I, I think to give the best answer, I need to remind everyone that, you know, if you're looking at like a hormone chart, it's like a kind of like a ladder. And at the very, very top is cholesterol. Very top. So, you know, if you've just got low total overall cholesterol from eating a very low fat diet, you have less Legos or building blocks or Lincoln logs or whatever you want to call them to build the hormones as it progresses on down. But if you're enhanced and you're taking exogenous hormones, well, you don't really need that production to hit. So you have more leeway what you can do with your diet. 
Um, I'm on HRT. I eat a low fat diet. And when I want to shred up, like summer gets closer or when I was starting my prep, I pull my fats almost down to trace. I feel fine on it because I'm not really a fat processor anyway. As soon as I start eating high fat, my like the back of my head will break out. Like my arms get like these little red bumps. I don't really want to call them zits, but you can just tell like the pores are clogged. I just don't do well on high fat really. So um, I've found that I can just go ahead and take take it down real low. Maybe I'll leave in like eight grams of essential fatty acids and then everything else is trace, trace, trace. I'll get fucking shredded on that quick, like real quick. Um, but I have that safety blanket if, you know, so I'll stop there for a second because I know you want to represent the natural side and I'll let you kind of address further from there what you do. But if you have exogenous hormones in, you can take the fats lower from day one and it's not really going to play an impact on the hormone profile. You know, I, I do want to say one more thing about HRT specifically, because now I've been on HRT since, I don't know, I think it was fucking August. Um, and my cholesterol, man, I had to get my cholesterol down. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I was able to start HRT because my testosterone was so low, but I had to go low fat to actually get my cholesterol down because everything I did with higher fat. So why? Yep. Yeah. So like it was, it was perfect. And I can tell you guys right now, Jason, I bet our diets are probably pretty damn close. I'll take fish oil every day. I'll have just a tad bit of peanut butter. Everything else is trace and I'm probably getting in 30, 30 grams of fat a day. And I've got higher protein and my carbs are probably about 150. I'm taking in like 2000 calories. I don't need a lot. I sit all day and I train for 45 minutes. So um, I'm getting leaner. I'm down to 210, but I feel great. Anytime I've ever gone that low on fat, whenever I've, you know, obviously natural before that, dude, I feel like straight garbage. Oh yeah, because your hormones start to drop. Yeah. So that, that's the point that I want to make for the natural folks. So with my natural athletes, I try never to take them below 50 grams of fat during a prep. Um, You know, usually I try and start them off on 60. For most people, I'm going to get their carbs as high as I can to start their prep. And I'm going to, I'm going to have their fat somewhere in the 50 to 60 range. And I don't really drop those unless I just have to, for a very short period of time, their carbs are already low. If I've got a female eating 60 grams of fat, I'm going to drop her down. Like I'm going to, I'm going to start to whittle that away. And there for a few weeks, I might get her down to 30 grams of fat a day, but it's only for a very short period of time. I'm never going to leave her down there. I would rather take a natural athlete um, if it's going to be for a longer period, like eight or 10 weeks, and I'm just running out of room because they didn't have calories super high to start. And I, I didn't do their off season. If I don't have a lot of room, I'm not going to keep them real low fat. I would rather have someone on a, on a higher fat, lower carb approach or a keto type approach just to help support their hormones. But like I said, that's a whole other podcast in and of itself. I just want our, our folks that are natural or coaches that work with natural athletes You've got to be careful on how long you take someone low fat. Back in the day, I used to try and skyrocket my females' carbs so they could eat more carbs during the prep because that's what they wanted. So I'd have them eating 30 grams of fat a day, and that's just murder on a female. Like, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't do that for a long extended period. Not for a long time, no. Like, I wouldn't have it in an off-season or something like that. Right. But for prep, I'm a little more um, – with my naturals, I guess I'm a little more – aggressive. I think a small woman who's 130 pounds, I think 30 grams of fat is fine for hormone output. 
I think size has to do with part of it. I, I agree a man who's 180 pounds is going to need more, but I have no problem for eight weeks having a woman on 30 grams of fat if that's what it's going to take. But at the same time, I've gone out of my way to, to learn how to fix people. So as soon as the diet's over, I'm fixing their hormones. So, you right. know, part of this, you got to do what you got to do to get in shape. And if someone's not a fat processor, 60 grams of fat is going to struggle and their carbs are going to get really low. And again, I like volumization to the muscle. So I'm going to just go ahead and probably go lower fat. Um, and then I'm gonna fix them afterwards. Um, but I don't think 30 for a female who's 130 pounds is really going that low. Cause that's still going to be 20% of cow intake. And I think it's plenty. Um, I think it's more about the percentage than the actual number personally. Um, so I am a little more aggressive there, but I totally agree. You don't want someone on trace fats for, you know, 10, eight weeks as a natural. I mean, their, their hormones are going to completely drop out. Yeah. That's, that's generally when you see a lot of females reporting, you know, hair loss and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, obviously dieting is hard enough on your hormones when you, when you keep fat super, super low. God, I've, I've heard horror stories of deficient yeah. asparagus diet and like <laughs> right. literally they're taking in like six grams of fat a day right. from fucking yeah. fish. Nightmare. Yeah. It's a <laughs> right. nightmare for how long? Yeah. 100%. But I'm just a little more aggressive on it, you know, and that's just, you know, that's just, that's just me. No. Um, and, and that's good because here's the thing. You are, you are a little bit more of an aggressive coach than I am. Sometime I've, I've got more time to work with somebody. So you know, I've got more of a cushion there. It, it really, there's no right or wrong. It really just depends on, on what you need to do to get people to stage. And that's, Correct. that's why I want our listeners to really kind of understand this whole episode kind of sets them up to think about their own preps. If they're not going to use a coach. 100% it does. Um, let's talk about, let's move on to the next part. Um, cortisol. Let's talk about cortisol and natural versus enhanced athletes. So yeah, guys, yeah. if you haven't listened to episode two, we did a deep dive on cortisol. Obviously you don't want to go back and listen to that now, but if some of this stuff we talk about, you're like, Oh man, I, I want to hear more about that. Go back and listen to that episode. It was yeah. really, really good. Um, man, cortisol and natural versus enhanced athletes. Like you said earlier, Jason, when you're on, te when you're taking testosterone, whether it's HRT or you're, or you're running your own cycle, cycle on the enhanced yeah. side, Cortisol is not that big of an issue as it is for <laughs> no. natural athletes, man. Right. Right. I mean, you know, when you're on a good cycle, I mean, you can sleep like shit and you'll still make progress. I mean, you can fucking, you know, train seven days a week and you're, you're going to recover. I mean, you know, it's a different ball game. Um, but, you know, just so our listeners understand, as cortisol rises and it stays chronically elevated, testosterone does go the opposite direction. It drops. Um, as testosterone, com testosterone comes back up, either because of it's exogenous or your post prep and you're doing the right things, cortisol gets pushed down. So they're at an inverse relationship and it kind of makes sense, right? Like testosterone is anabolic, cortisol is catabolic. So there's a lot more things you can do to push the body when someone's enhanced as opposed to not. And that's why you see yourself taking longer to prep people so that you can control those, those stress responses and different things like that um, because you don't have the safety blanket. I think that's also important too when people are searching for a coach or just getting advice from people. You know, if you're natural, you need to be real careful not to go out and use a coach that predominantly works with enhanced athletes because a lot of the time they don't understand the differences in everything that Jason just said. The differences in cortisol are huge. Um, and, and it's the same, it, by the way, it goes the same way. If you go out and get one of the best natural bodybuilding coaches on the planet, 
and you're enhanced and they have no fucking idea what your body is capable of, <laughs> you, you really need to do your research guys. Uh, and, and I see that a lot. So with cortisol, you know, we talk, you talk a lot about metabolic resistance. I talk a lot about stalls and cortisol and its relation to insulin sensitivity and stuff like that. Man, we just see it wreaking havoc on natural competitors more. I think they stall out. Well, I know they do. They stall out more. They have more issues with sleep. They have yes. definitely, obviously, their 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 thyroid down regulates because when cortisol is super high, yes, it you secrete less thyroid hormone. Correct. I mean, it it really is a, a major major bitch, and that's just that's kind of part of what you have to deal with. So that's why we've got all these different methods that we talk about in episode two to help minimize cortisol you'll never be able to get rid of it i think i think they had a product back in the, like the 80s or 90 that blocked cortisol completely and when people took it they never lost any fucking fat and they were like they were perplexed and they didn't realize right. like cortisol is not an evil thing but right. it is one of those things natural athletes need to be prepared for I, I i don't think we need to spend a ton of time on that i think if people go back and listen to episode two it'll kind of it'll start to make sense right let's uh all right, man. Let's, so let's 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 jump in and let's talk about some of the let's talk about some of the the, the iffy stuff that a lot of people don't talk about okay. um, when it ta- when it comes to fat burners over the counter. But let's yeah. talk about let's talk about the the thing that a lot of people don't realize, and let's talk about things like T three, clenbuterol, yeah. ephedrine, stuff like that. Obviously, our podcast isn't here to teach you guys how to use that stuff. Like, go out and do your own fucking research or get a coach that knows what they're doing. Um, and we're not saying that we tell that we recommend that for everybody, but we've got to talk about it. It's part of the sport. Yep. Um, let's start off with over the counter fat burners. I, I yep. think one of the best ones that people need to kind of open their eyes to is the injectable L carnitine yep. at 600 megs a day. We talk about that. I think it's back in episode one. Um, really, really good product. When you, when it comes to over the counter fat burners, yep. um, what are some of your go-to's and I think there might be supplements that aren't quote unquote fat burners that help with fat loss that we can talk about. Um, but Jason, when it comes to over the counter, I mean, you own a supplement company, but you don't sit there and push quote unquote fat burners. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about that. Okay. So when it comes to over the counter fat burners, in my experience, a lot of the products out there by other companies that are just called like fat burners, you know, some, a lot of them, you know, help uh, with hunger, which, Hey, that's great. Uh, a lot of them overstimulate you, which I don't ever want. Um, so they're helping with hunger. They're, they're speeding up, um, you know, certain processes that maybe you're getting a tiny bit of fat burn. Like, you know, caffeine is, you know, helps supposedly, you know, uh, liberate fatty acids. So, you know, you have um, <clears throat> things in these products like synephrine and caffeine and all these different things where it really just seems like it, it's hyping you up. So I've never really been a big fan of like the quote unquote over the counter fat fat burner. But what I do use with clients, you've already touched on the one is the injectable L-carnitine. It works amazing for natural or enhanced. Um, and we, we've gone into why it works even better for enhanced. We've got Yohimbine hydrochloric, and this has to be Yohimbine or Yohimbine, however you want to say it, hydrochloric. Yohimbi, which you're going to see in the fat burners that we just said, is a stimulant and it will help hunger, but it is not the same as yohimbine hydrochloric, which helps turn off the alpha two receptors in the fat cells, uh, in the stubborn, a lot of stubborn fat, dark brown fat, and um, great, great product. Um, so I'll use that in the morning fasted. I try to get the biggest dose in in the morning when insulin's low because that's what 
Yohim being works best when insulin's low. And then I also always put people on my thyroid boost. It, it works. Like it's an amazing product. I take it year round. My TSH was always kind of high. Um, and it's kept me leaner. There's no doubt about it. Um, so I'll use one or two thyroid boosts for someone. Um, and a lot of times I've seen labs, like I'm a coach that like when most people come to me, if they've got any issues going on, I'm like, yeah, I want to see your labs. And if you don't want to get labs, then go work with someone else. Like I'm to the point now where like I have enough inquiries and enough clients that if you don't want to work with me cause you're too lazy, to get like your labs. I, I don't, I don't really need to work with you. So usually I have an idea what's going on with their thyroid and different things like that. Um, and then of course I'm going to put people on cordies. I'm going to keep that cortisol low. I'm going to at least keep it metabolizing. And that's what our product does. I'm, it doesn't let it build up. Uh, and that's what happens when it's not released. And you know, your people are just perpetually stressed. Our body was never designed that way. And so the cordies will help get that out. So that's, those are my main three or four over the counter. Now, if someone wants to get a little more aggressive and they're not doing um, a tested show, uh, you can use ephedrine. And the way you can get that is you can go to Walgreens. You got to go to the counter. Um, God, what was that called? Um, uh, I'm blanking on the, the name of the product right now. Yeah, I know. But uh, it had uh, ephedrine sulfate in it, 25 mgs, which yields 20 mgs of ephedrine hydrochloric. And again, you can't use ephedra, which you will see in fat-burning products. It must be ephedrine hydrochloric to work on the beta receptors of fat cells. So you can add that. I've never been a fan of ephedrine. Um, it, it affects the prostate, and it actually always did with mine. So you take a piss, and you get like dribbling pee after, maybe a little burning. It's like you're perpetually in a fucking swimming pool all day, like shrinkage out the ass. Like I just never <laughs> liked it. Um, you know, Jesus. it's like, you know, God, I love you right now. Keep going. <laughs> but I mean, it is, it's, it's just, it's just a nasty product. I just never loved it. Um, so, but those are your over the counter ones. And then I gave you my main four that I, that I use and I've had really good success with, with, uh, with the natural athletes. Yeah. That was bronchade by the way. It just, right. it, it was. yeah, it has like that, uh, Oh, that used, uh, there's the 400 milligrams of some other shit in there. It's for helping clear people's sinuses up and stuff yep. like that. But yeah. I, I took that way back in the day. Uh, yep. you know, whether someone wants to say natural or not, like that, I don't ever consider that. I, I didn't care. I did MPC no. shows. So I, it's I, banned, you know. but that doesn't mean you're not natural. I mean, fuck, it's just a veteran. You can take it when you've got a fucking sinus infection. <laughs> right. Back in like 2008, <laughs> I, I wasn't even worried about it. 2009. Um, but I felt like straight dog shit on it. It yeah. just, I just felt fried. Um, you know, back to the over-counter fat burners, the, the traditional ones we see, man, I haven't recommended those to people in, oh, I mean, a long ass time because to me, stimulants, they, they cause so much fight or flight. They, you know, yep. what's the relationship to cortisol, which when you're in that fight or flight zone, you secrete blood sugar, insulin goes yep. up to drive it down. In some senses, I don't think fat burners, if you're already highly stressed, especially in a prep, why the fuck would you overstim yourself? It actually doesn't become a fat burner. To me, it becomes a liability in some, in some cases. If taken over time, like you said, when someone's already in a chronic stress state and that cortisol is building up 100%, 100%. Right. And, And people don't really, they don't really realize that. So I, I used to just not recommend them because I was like, guys just saved your fucking money. Like they don't, yep. They don't really work, um, not not like you think. Um, you know, it's a tiny, tiny percentage if they do. And if you're already fried, it may actually make your fat loss harder, I think. That, that's my opinion. Um, 
and I've been with multiple supple, you know, a couple of different supplement companies and I just never recommended them. I just didn't care. Right. Um, let's talk about, so for assisted athletes, this is another reason why I think preps can be shorter. Well, I, I know they can, they can be shorter. <laughs> yep. There are things like T3, T4, uh, obviously, um, it, which in my opinion is a very, very dangerous thing. If people don't understand not only how it works, but their own health, um, their age, the risks, you know, on your heart and things like that, which, which we can, you know, talk about a little bit if you want to, yes. but to me, it, it's, it's another, um, it's another cushion. It allows for a hell of a lot easier fat loss. Um, you can run your thyroid, obviously, if you want to run it that way. Um, you can use clenbuterol, which is, you know, I use laugh and call it cardio in a fucking pill. Like why do right. cardio when you can take clen? Um, I'm not saying that's what I recommend, but kind of talk about the differences in enhanced versus natural preps when it comes to being able to utilize that stuff. Sure. So, um, clenbuterol is a veteran's, um, more effective and less side effect cousin, in my opinion. It just fits the receptor um, better. Is that right? It, yes, but what it doesn't do is – so ephedrine basically attacks pretty much all the receptors in the body. That's why it hits prostate. That's why, you know, all these different side effects. Whereas clenbuterol really only attaches to the, the fat receptor. So you're not getting all those side effects. Now, the side effect you will get is you will be jittery from it, um, and you're going to get a lot of energy. Um, but some people cannot stand the jitters. I never really got the jitters. It just gave me really nice, steady energy. And like you said, it's like, you almost want to do your cardio. Like you just have more energy, your VO two max goes up. So you're more efficient at doing your cardio. And this one again, turns off the beta, uh, receptors, um, and inside the fat cell and that allows fat to be liberated better. Um, fat cells have alpha receptors and beta and then clin turns those off and yohimbine turns off the alpha. Um, so, but clin, there have been, uh, the reason it's not legal in the United States, at least one of the reasons I've heard is because it's not in and out of the body like ephedrine. Ephedrine is in and out super fast. That's why that Harvard study came up with the ECA stack back in the day, ephedrine, caffeine, aspirin. The caffeine right. and aspirin slowed down ephedrine and made it stay in the body longer. That's all it was doing. Uh, Clin stays around longer. Um, so you're getting better fat loss and you don't have all the side effects. Now, in large doses, there have been studies that show that it can weaken like heart valves and do different stuff like that. Those were on massive doses, um, even more massive, like 100 mics a day. Those were, they were high, high doses given to rats. Um, but you know, the literature is still there. So, you know, if someone has any issue with their heart, I would never say get on clenbuterol. If you're a healthy person, um, you know, running 20 to 40 mics a day, maybe the last eight weeks, it's not really going to hurt you, but here's what you got to worry about. You got to worry about adrenal shutdown and then adrenal fatigue afterwards. You will feel it. Um, I have, sometimes just reverse people off of it. It sucks to stay on a little longer, but then you kind of don't have that huge crash. It's just kind of pick your poison. If I do just take someone off of it at the end, then I'll just say, Hey, you're going to have to rely on a little caffeine here for a minute. Um, and then we'll get your adrenals going, give you some, um, you know, something to get your adrenals going. We have a product with new ethics and things like that. We call Adrena health. So, but you got to watch that. You got to watch the heart. Um, and you know, people say that you become, accustomed to clean or your body gets used to it and you know there's been all these theories about you can take benadryl to reset it or you could take um 
this other allergy medicine. I forget what it's called now. Um, that was supposed to reset the receptors. And, you know, you got people who do like two weeks on, they work up to like 150 mics and then they take two weeks off. Honestly, I don't believe your body, your body stops getting the nervous shakes and you don't feel the energy. And that's more because of what happens with the adrenals down regulating. Cause the body always wants to turn to homeostasis, but I can't find anything where it says it, the receptors stop being turned off. So my point is, I don't think you have to titrate up as high as some people do on clin. When I would use it, I would wait till I was later in prep and maybe go up to 40 mics. I'd do like 20 in the morning and 20 pre-workout and that'd be about it. Um, but again, you know, if someone isn't as lean, they need to start it maybe sooner. But clin, lastly, is, is anti-catabolic. So it's not anabolic, but it's anti-catabolic. So I've seen people just use clin and it helps them get to the stage three, four, five pounds heavier and in better shape just from clean. So people used to think it was anabolic or you're adding muscle. No, it's just highly anti-catabolic. So that's my, that's my spiel on, on clean. Yeah. There's, there's also, um, you know, we don't have to go into the deep, deep dive on T3 and T4, but obviously if someone wants to support their thyroid and keep it from slowing down, that's another, another tool in the toolbox that enhanced athletes can grab. That's going to definitely be different for natural athletes. Oh yeah. I mean, you won't have to, you know, you could not refeed and eat, you know, protein and veggies for 12 weeks and you'd be miserable, but you're going to keep dropping weight because you're not downregulating the thyroid. You know, it's not, it's not being affected by the cortisol loop or, you know, just metabolic adaptations in general. I'm personally as a coach, not a huge T3 fan. Um, if someone comes to me already on it, I'm going to keep you on it because I'm not going to try to pull it out and, and fix things during a prep. Um, but I've been able to get people off their thyroid meds and, and onto thyro boost and, um, you know, with, with, with helping them deal with stress better, managing cortisol, managing blood sugars. A lot of times thyroid downregulation is more of a symptom than the underlying cause of everything. And so I usually can get people on thyro boost as I'm, I'm, I'm getting them off of their thyroid meds. And one of the problem with thyroid meds is they stop working after a while. Like if you watch people on them, they have to constantly go back to the doctor and get their labs. And a lot of times they have to get increased, right. you know, and at some point that's just not healthy to keep increasing, 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 increasing. So, um, if I can, I try to get someone off of them and I'm not a big fan in prep with T3. Like I don't just say, Oh, it's time to prep. Let's use T3. You know what I mean? Like there has to be like circumstances where maybe someone's like, you know, they've already showed signs of, slowed slowed uh thyroid uh um, thyro boost isn't really doing much for them Prep's starting they they don't want to back out um things like that but i'm not one of those coaches that are like oh let's use t3 there's a lot of coaches it's just part of their protocol and it's because they don't want to have to make as many diet adjustments or they don't know how to fight all these other things so they just throw it in yeah and i, I think that's you know it's important that you said that you know john meadows said something at the physique summit back in well we were all there i think it was back 2017 um he said you know what i like about our group of coaches that we have presenting they aren't people that just throw drugs at a problem they understand how to problem solve so i, I see a lot of people immediately dude we've got coaches here that work with gen pop clients and their starting protocol involves fucking clan. I'm like, you guys fucking suck. Like you have no idea how the body works, how fat loss works. So guys, if you're out there searching for a coach, be careful, like do oh, your 100%. research. Like I said today in my IG post, I'm like, dude, there's levels to this shit. There really is. And like, yeah. 
you know, if you're with a coach for three years and you're still trying to cut and your body ain't responding. And I had a, someone, you know, inquire with me and not once did their coach say, we better look at labs. I'm like, you know, I appreciate the loyalty, but man, like that person just doesn't know what's up. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't. They, they're, they're not, they're not at the next level. And you're no, right. They're not even levels. Close. Not they're even the only people that are gonna be able to help is a 100% healthy person that comes to them. Um, you know, and, and, and unfortunately most women, uh, after they've been through a few preps, they don't fall under the 100% healthy anymore. Um, right. so, uh, yeah, anyways, that's my, I digress. Let's, let's talk about muscle gain during prep. I, I don't, I don't think we need to talk on some of the dark, dark stuff when it comes to fat burners. Um, some of the really dark stuff. I just don't think we have. I'm not educating in DMP anyways. No, <laughs> um, I, I'm not, never used I, it, never touched it. I think anyone who will use it's a moron. So that's my spiel on it. Yeah. I don't think we need to go there. Um, <laughs> let's talk about muscle gain during prep and the reality, the reality with natural yeah. enhanced folks, because here's the thing with whenever I prep a, prep a natural client, I like to get them ready early if possible. And I like to feed them into the show, lower cortisol. It leads to a more muscular appearing physique, but at no point during a prep is anyone going to gain muscle if you're natural, unless yeah. you're just a fucking brand new or genetic freak. If you're a newbie right. or genetic freak, in the very beginning, you might gain a little bit just because all of a sudden it's prep time and you're starting to train harder because you're right. motivated. That would be why. Yeah. Right. And, and if that's the case, then you, you need to really take another look at your off season. Off season. Yep. Prioritize yep. this, but natural athletes, you just aren't going to see it. Even whenever I get someone lean enough, I always tell them, listen, I'm going to bring you in a little bit bigger, a little bit fuller because I'm going to feed you into the show, but that's not muscle gain that they're getting. It's mostly glycogen. It's a drop in cortisol, so their body looks better. They're able to fill out, look better. Um, and anytime you can eat more food and keep the cell more volumized, you're going to pop and you're going to look yep. better. 100%. That's always the goal for my natural athletes, always, always. But it's never a muscle gain. But there's another, there's another side to this, which is a very fascinating side. And I've worked with quite a few enhanced folks that I've, yep. I've helped along the way put on stage weight once they got 100% lean. And yeah. Jason, this is a very, very real thing for guys that can add muscle leading into their show or maybe halfway through prep. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Sure. So I find this has just been my experience. Guys who stay leaner um, or a woman, but in general, men who start pretty damn lean for prep and then they finally hit the gear. Um, they're, they're going to grow. They might not even lose a pound really compared to their starting prep weight to their ending prep weight. Um, I find guys who are on, but they get, they get puffy in the off season. They, they really push food maybe because they still needed muscle or maybe because they just can't keep their hand out of the cookie jar. They might be adding muscle, but they're, they're going to drop weight right away as you start prep. Like someone like myself who stays really close to stage weight, um, if I started a cycle, like into a show, like I'm going to probably gain five to eight pounds to be honest with you. Um, but I find people who don't stay very lean. It's definitely, they're probably gaining, but you just don't really see it. And the scale starts dropping right away. So it does kind of matter who it is, but in general, you know, bodies differ, genetics differ, but yes, prepping on gear, you can certainly add muscle into the show. And as a coach who's listening, you really have to watch all the biofeedback. Like where and my point is, 
if you have a natural client, um, you know, you better be seeing that 1.2 or that 1.5 or that two pounds, whatever you've set the goal, you better be seeing that pretty much on average every week. But with a natural or with an enhanced athlete, you might not see the scale drop for five weeks. So you better really be able to assess a physique and see where things are, they're filling out more, their shoulders are, are capping more and really know and be patient because some coaches aren't good at being patient that things are happening. It's just not the scale dropping. It's two different preps sometimes prepping a natural and an enhanced. And you've got to keep that in mind as a coach, as you're moving forward. That to me is when, whenever I've helped, you know, I probably had 50, 50 natural versus enhanced athletes back in, you know, 2014 and prior. And man, when that stuff would hit, it, it was pictures every week. I'm like, listen, take fucking pictures every week because your weight's not dropping. You actually might be gaining a little bit. You're perfect on the diet. I've got to see pictures in the exact same spot, same lighting, same clothes, same time of day. Don't do it with a pump one day and flat, you know, the next morning straight out of bed. Like I had to use that and that actually became my tool to get them to stage. And man, it was really hard because you're right. You do have to be patient and you have to help them be patient, by the way, because sometimes that shit's a, it's a mind fuck. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I think pictures are the, are the biggest tools that will help an athlete or a coach out. And the other thing, man, and I've seen it with some of my athletes, like I've helped people gain 11 fucking pounds of stage weight over the course of 11 weeks. Once they were staged, they were stage lean. It just yep. becomes a completely different animal, especially well, telling you, right? the guy who starts leaner, you're able to feed them more and, and they're definitely going to grow into a show, you know? Right. Yeah. So sometimes it may not be the healthiest approach, um, <laughs> depending on how much shit you're going to use and you know, how long you're going to be on something like trend, for example, which we don't have to go into all the details here, but there are protocols out there and I see guys put on a shit ton of size. Um, but man, you better be looking at your fucking labs and getting that shit done. <laughs> I know so many people that do that and they, they don't, they don't hardly look at anything. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's dangerous. Still exists as, as crazy as it is with how easy it is to use private MD labs, but yes, it still exists. Right. Let's, let's talk about this. This is an, and then we'll kind of wrap up the show. This is something I want our listeners. I know we've been talking more of the enhanced crowd than we have anything else. The last couple bullet points, but this one to me is probably the most important for natural folks. Let's talk about staying stage lean for numerous shows and for a longer a period of time in its role on hormones versus an enhanced athlete that, you know, Jason, we see a lot of people in the IFBB or just the NBC in general that are assisted, you know, they'll do, you know, some of the pros will do the Arnold in fucking March and then they'll still make it to the Olympia. And, you know, there's a difference to where when you're natural, one of the biggest keys that I was preaching for, you know, five, six, seven years was like, guys, stop doing spring and fall shows. You're, you're fucking getting lean for a spring show and then you're gaining body fat over the summer and then you're trying to diet for a fall show. And it was really starting to fuck them up. But not just then, you know, there's been a lot of times I've seen people get lean in May for a natural pro show or they try and win their pro card or whatever in May. And then they're trying to turn around and fucking hold that conditioning and they're doing shows all the way in fucking November. And it's much, much different than an enhanced athlete. You're able to take your folks that are they're enhanced or on HRT or what have you, and you're able to keep them leaner longer, correct? And if so, go ahead and go ahead and talk about that for a minute. Yeah, 100% you are. Um, 
and it goes back to some things as far as, you know, you don't have to have fats as high. Um, but, you know, they're not going to feel so shitty. Um, you know, we know that when a natural athlete diets for a show, we know men's testosterone get down into the 90, 98, 90 year old levels, you know, 185, like, you know, these terrible testosterone levels. And so if you keep the body there and that lean, um, and we know that, you know, you can even reverse a guy and, but if you're keeping him lean, the testosterone is still not really going to come back, even if some calories have came up. And what's going to happen over the course of eight months of doing that, you're going to get worse and worse. You're not going to get better and better. If you watch a lot of pros, um, as the preps unfold, they usually get better and better because they're just getting lean, a little bit leaner. Uh, they're allowed to, they can open up their food more and the hormones are supported. So it's a completely different ball game um, when you're natural and when you're enhanced because um, the hormones are staying uh, elevated uh, with the enhanced guy. And as long as they're on their diet and doing the right shit, they're just going to keep getting better. But that doesn't work, you know, for, for a natural athlete. Reversing is only going to preserve everything for so long if that body fat's staying low. And eventually that low testosterone is going to win out and the body's going to look haggard, tired, and uh, just lack of pop. And they might even see finally some body fat really starting to come back and it gets harder and harder to maintain that conditioning because they're getting less and less efficient. Yeah. It's, um, you know, those are, those are things that I learned early on mistakes I was making. And I, I was trying to, I was trying to keep my folks too lean after shows back in 2012, 2013, because I knew it was going to make it for an easier prep, you right. know, when they prepped a year down the road, for example. Right. And I would notice when I would see blood work on guys, you know, if they were only seven pounds over stage and they were still really lean, um, you know, they could, they could be ready in a month to step back on stage, man, their testosterone never came back up. And that, that's when I started to, to really learn about keeping someone too lean from reverse dieting. The other thing that I learned from is very rarely will you ever see me prep a natural athlete for that show in May, June or July, and then have them push on all the way and do, you know, the world championships are usually in, in, a, in the natural world in October and November. I used to do that. I used to, to diet people, start them in February, they'd be on stage in June, and then we would have to fight to hold that conditioning. Now, they wouldn't be doing any cardio, they'd be just weight training, their calories we'd be up, and they'd be holding that body fat level, but it was the same thing as reverse dieting. Their hormones stayed in the shitter. Now, the last year or two, I've had some pretty damn good natural athletes that I just told them, I was like, listen, if, if you want to compete this long, you're, you're going to have to take a whole fucking year off after this, like minimum, like as soon as you're done with your shows in October, you need to get through the holidays and then you need to take the whole next year off too, because you you've stayed stage lean for fucking five months and it's just so hard on your hormones. But the only time I would ever recommend that to someone is after having a talk with them, but they're also somebody that's going to make a pretty big impact. And, but, you know, I did have a few girls over the last few years that they've just fucking won all kinds of shit. Like they've made money, but they knew they had to take the time off to kind of compensate. And it's the same thing with guys. I've got another guy that just got a hold of me today, really good men's physique guy. You know, he was doing shows in June when he won his pro card and then pro debut. And then he was doing a show in October. And I just told him, I'm like, man, if you want to put on any real size, you're going to have to take up this whole year off, but you've also got to get your testosterone levels back up and let those balance out for a while so it's one of those things i try and preach to natural folks all the time it's not just about 
reverse dieting, it does have to do with body fat levels and how long you stay that lean really dictates how hard your next fucking prep would be. Right. 100%. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and dude, it leads to, you know, we go back to metabolic resistance. Like we used to just think feeding people up was the thing, (laughs) but it's a whole cat. Like we just didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know until, you know, a few years ago, it's this whole cascade of things like your, your prep and what that prep looks like is going to dictate how much time off you need. It's going to dictate how much time you need to fix and get your systems all back up and running. And then you also have to put in, you know, how much do you need to improve? So one thing that we didn't touch on is when people are starting their preps now, guys, hopefully and girls, hopefully you've had a long enough off season. Hopefully your systems are all up and running. Hopefully your labs look good. All these things need to be in place before you even start a diet. Listen, if you just got on stage in October and you're prepping right now and you're natural, you're making a fucking mistake. I'll just yeah. say that right now. I had a few people hit me up and want to start. And I said, yeah, I'm not the coach for you. I was like, I know too much. So I can't do that to you. I was like, I'd love to help you and make sure that you're, you're optimized and things are getting back. I was like, but I'm not putting you through that. You know? No, so, I mean, dude, it's our reputation on the line. And plus, here's the other thing. Every time I've taken a, a situation on like that, every fucking time, I've, I've never been able to get them as lean as they should. They no, don't look like 100%. they should. And then it looks like we can't fucking do our job. 100%. And then they're really fucked because they should have been recovering. So then after that, they really balloon up. So it's like, I don't want that. You know, I don't want that for them. I don't want that for me. So guys, hopefully this has been a, a really informative episode, whether you're assisted or you're natural or you're just like me, you're on HRT and you, and you want to maximize your physique. I think this has been a pretty good peel back the curtain into what preps look like um, as you guys diet and get ready to kick 2020's ass. Um, Jason, is there anything else you think we missed out on or anything you want to say to the listeners before we well, get out here? I know this has been a long episode. Um, the one thing I will say is that, you know, there is a difference in training as well. Um, you know, you're going to be able, and I, and I think that goes without saying probably, but just to, just to throw it out there, I mean, you're going to be able to do more volume. You're going to be able to train more days in a row. Um, you can probably even do seven, um, if, if needed at least six, um, with my natural athletes, rarely do I have them doing six in prep? Rarely. It's usually five. And if I can control it, well, I'll have them doing four coming into the prep. Um, six though, I'm fine with enhanced. And if I need it, I'll go seven with enhanced. Um, so that is a difference as well. Um, so keep that in mind, um, based on what side of the the road you're on. You know, that, that is a good point. Most of my folks, I would say average five days a week with them. Um, I'll ramp it up to six at the end of the prep if I have to, or some people I will have on six if they've shown that they've made really good progress on that. But the only difference with me doing that is because I know their cardio is going to be low. I know yeah. their, their hits yeah. going to be low. So to me, that's kind of the slow offset. But if I've got to get their cardio up really high, I, I'm not going to have them training six fucking seven days a week if they're natural. So there's, to, to me, there's a lot of give and take. I, I think that five is kind of that sweet spot where natural folks can train enough and get enough stimulation and protein synthesis and the muscle but not overreach because training, you know, uh, prep, I'm sorry, prep becomes one big fucking overreach when you're natural. Like it really does. Like your CNS is just in the shitter at the end. So seven days a week of training and fucking two, two a day cardios and all that stuff. Like 
you're just asking, you're just asking for cortisol through the roof, which, you know, as I said, go back and listen to episode two to kind of learn more about that. So yeah, man, I'm glad you, uh, glad you brought that up. I do want to ask our listeners one more time, guys, now that we're at the end of the episode, please hit pause, go leave us a, a review. Five stars would be great, but just be honest, leave us a review. We've had nothing but five stars. So thank you very much for that. Type some words in there. Let us know what you think. And if you ever want to hit me up, hit me up on Instagram at team underscore Gorman. Find Scooby. You can, all you gotta do is, is uh, search Scooby prep. Jason, I can't remember your IG, but I think if people just put in Scooby prep, they're going to find it if they put in Scooby prep, but it's Scooby prep yeah. underscore IFBB pro. Yeah. Hit us up guys. Let us know if there's people you want to hear on the show. We will have guests eventually. Um, let us know if there's topics. We're going to do more Q and A's and, um, Dude, I don't, we'll see if we get some questions this week. We might do a Q&A follow-up to this episode. Yep. And then, dude, we just have so much stuff to cover, man. I'm, I'm super, super excited for this. Um, but we're going to let you guys go. It has been a long episode. If you have questions, send them to our Instagram. We'll compile those and mostly send them to me. I'm the one compiling the questions. But hit us either, either one of us up. And we'll get this one up and running. And we'll be back for episode nine. So for myself and Jason, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. See ya.